0: What's going on? Welcome back to the Jordan sci Mini Podcast. Today, I'm wicked excited because I'm starting a brand new series. And I'm going to call it Jordan Stinks. I might change that down the road. But full credit for this idea goes to a man named Clark Howard. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. You might have. He's a, he's a finance guy. And he runs a tremendous podcast geared towards helping people make better financial decisions so they can save more money. What I love about Clark is he has an entire segment geared towards answering people who disagree with him. And he has a whole segment on his website which is literally just like, if you disagree with me, tell me what you disagree with. And then he picks some random ones to go through and answer on his podcast. So I thought it would be a really cool addition to the mini-podcast to discuss and answer some people who disagree with me. Now, I want to make this very clear. Number one, I will never be announcing anybody's name or Instagram handles. I'm actually, I'm posting Instagram Q&As, basically where I say, tell me what you disagree with and I'll be answering them here. I am not upset at all. I will not be blasting people. That's not what this is for. I very much believe that oftentimes we'll learn more from people who we disagree with as opposed to just hanging out and spending all of our time with people that we agree with. We call it echo chambers, right? Where when you hang out with people that you disagree with all the time, you just support each other and you build each other up and you have these cognitive biases that you fall into. Whereas really one of the most important ways to learn is to be forced into situations in which you're speaking with people in situations who disagree with you and say you're wrong. And uh, one thing I always talk about is the importance of being open-minded. And so I want to practice what I preach. I want to show you. I'm going to go through these comments in which people disagree with me. If I've done something wrong, I will tell you, okay, you know what? I made a mistake. If I very much believe what I've said or or maybe I disagree with what they're saying, I'll tell you why. And uh, I'm going to do my best to be as open-minded as possible. Obviously, I'm biased just like all of us. But what I've done is I've screenshotted a bunch of the questions that people asked in my most recent Instagram Q&A. And I'm going to go through one by one, and I'll probably try and keep this to 30 minutes or less. I don't want to make it too, too long, but we'll see how it goes. So the first disagreement question that came in, this is a longer one, and I wanted to hit this one first just because it's actually the only one that I know I'm going to hit because I think it's very, very important. The other ones I haven't even seen yet, and I'll just go through one by one after this. The initial question came in, and he said something to the effect of, I'm going to read it right now. He said, The character limit was too short, but my disagreement is around the overestimation of calorie deficit in relation to fat loss. With that said, your most recent post completes the calorie deficit tool by addressing optimization. And I'm going to clarify what he means by this because I was a little bit confused. He said, as someone who I consider to have a large following, how do you navigate or balance how you share your content to make it understandable to your viewers despite your topics being complex? He went on, he said a bunch of very, very nice things. And then I asked him, I was like, could you just clarify, because I'm not sure I fully understand. And he said, I guess, what is your process on how you determine what information to share about fat loss first? There are obviously many things to discuss, but why calorie deficit first and not fat loss optimization? This is a tremendous question. It's a really, really remarkable, remarkably important question. And I want to explain what he means by the difference between fat loss and fat loss optimization because the other day I posted something on my Instagram. Let me see I want to find it. Okay, I wrote this, and this is the post he was referring to. I said, the only way to lose fat is to be in a calorie deficit. But if you want to optimize fat loss, you'll also need to emphasize protein, get quality sleep, hydrate well, strength train, focus on high quality nutrient rich foods, etc. Calories matter, but they aren't all that matter. So to go back to his question, he's saying, how do you determine what information to share about fat loss first? There are obviously many things to discuss, and this is really the most important part, but why calorie deficit first and not fat loss optimization? I'm so glad that he asked this question because I think this is where a lot of confusion lies and where a lot of disagreements end up uh, sort of exploding in the fitness industry, especially online, where we all actually oftentimes tend to agree, but we're focusing on different things to address first. The reason that I focus on calorie deficit first and not the overall fat loss optimization is the same reason why I approach in strength training movement first as opposed to performance optimization. And I'll give you a more uh, concrete example. When someone comes in the gym for the first time, I'm not going to focus on optimizing their deadlift. Right? I'm not going to say, okay, we're going to go to the bar, we're going to focus on optimizing your force production, we're going to focus on optimizing your, your breathing and your bracing, we're going to focus on optimizing your mental strategy as you approach the bar, we're going to focus on optimizing your rate of force development. They're all very important when it comes to deadlifting. But before we can optimize the deadlift, we actually have to teach them how to move. Before we can even teach proper deadlift technique, We have to teach proper deadlift movement, and that begins with a basic hip hinge. So before we even go into the depths of deadlifting, we first have to say and teach, this is how you move properly, this is how you hinge at your hips. From there, then we can start taking small and progressive steps, taking them to a kettlebell deadlift or maybe even an elevated kettlebell deadlift. Then from there we go to a a full range of motion kettlebell deadlift. Then from there, maybe we go to a trap bar deadlift. Then from there, maybe we go to a sumo deadlift. Then from there, we could go to the conventional deadlift. Then from there, we can start talking more about maybe deficit deadlifts, deficit deadlifts versus bands and chains. And then we can really start talking about optimizing the deadlift, but that whole process can take years. From what I just said and I think it's very important this is why I talk about my five-year plan for fitness most people are not going to be able to quote-unquote optimize their fat loss I want to say most people not all people most people are not going to go from uh, a starting point of nothing to quote-unquote optimizing their fat loss in one fell swoop and in fact I think that's why most people usually fail because they try and do too much too quickly they're is an outrageous amount of misleading information in the, in the fitness industry and in the world in general, in, every, in any in any every industry. My job, the way I view my job, is to make it as simple as possible. And in a world in which some people are saying you need raspberry ketones for fat loss, other people are saying you need a waist trainer, other people are saying you need to, to take apple cider vinegar shots, other people are saying you need to do fasted cardio. I am very adamant about beginning with the equivalent of a hip hinge for nutrition. In the same way you teach the hip hinge for deadlift before you start deadlifting, you need to people need to understand that calories in, calories out, the, that basic principle is essential in order for them to lose fat. It doesn't mean that now they know everything they need to know about fat loss, and it doesn't mean that it's easy, and it doesn't mean that it's the exact same for everybody. But it does mean that on the very basic principle level, calorie deficit is without question essential in order for anybody to lose fat okay so that's why I always start with the calorie deficit as opposed to quote unquote optimizing fat loss because if you start with optimization for anybody especially someone who's more of a beginner you're going to be way over the head present them with way too much information and they'll be less likely to take action at all so I like to start with the principles and the foundation and then build up from there so I hope that makes sense and answers that question. I'm going to go through, look at some of these other questions now. I probably, I probably won't spend as much time on every single one. We'll see. Okay, so I asked on my Instagram Q and A, which, by the way, if you don't follow me, you can follow me at, um, at @syattfitness on Instagram. Um, let's see. Someone said, "I disagree." that anyone can count calories to lose weight, for me, it triggered eating disorders, disordered eating. I completely and utterly agree with you, Uh, and I don't know how long you've been following me or my content, but I think this is very important for people to understand. I think calorie counting is a wonderful tool. I think tracking your calories can be very beneficial for a lot of people. I also think it can be very bad for many people as well, which is why one of the things I say very frequently especially in my stories is that you don't have to count your calories in order to lose weight but your calories always count and what that means is regardless of whether or not you're counting them they still matter they still count so there are many ways to lose weight without actually tracking your calories you can be in a calorie deficit without tracking your calories it's one of the reasons why people will do keto for example by doing the ketogenic diet, the, the idea is that by not necessarily eliminating carbs, but by radically reducing carbohydrate intake and essentially rem- more or less removing a macronutrient from your diet, you are significantly less likely to eat too many calories. Same thing with reduced fat diets. They're trying to get you to eat less overall total calories regardless of whether or not you're tracking your calorie intake. Same thing with Weight Watchers, right? They're having you track, quote-unquote, points. They assign different points to different foods, and generally they try and make the foods that are lower calorie free. I think there are some issues with that system, especially when, like, if they have, like, a, don't know, Let's say they, they say fruit is free, for example. I don't know if that's still in their system, but I know for a while they said f- all fruit was free. And if you take a look at a, a banana or a mango or something, a fruit that is relatively higher calorie, like it can add up much more quickly than people think. So to go back to your to your statement, I don't think that anybody and everybody needs to lose weight with calorie counting, and I think that actually many people it can and will trigger disordered eating habits. I think that what's important to clarify here is that just because because not everybody should count calories doesn't mean that calories don't count. And just to go back to what you were saying one more time, 100% calorie counting is not right for everybody and I do not think or recommend that everybody should do it. I think some people it can be great for and some people it is not great for and that's very, very important to understand. So thank you for bringing that up. All right, let's see. Uh, f bombs. <laughs> you know it's interesting for a long for for all when I first started my website in 2011 I started my first website in 2011 and I literally put the word fuck on the on the homepage and I remember my mom she was like Jordan that's completely inappropriate and very unprofessional and I love my mom she's incredible and she's my biggest supporter um and I remember telling her I was like mom I'm not going to change who I am for anybody And what I meant by that was not to say that I can't improve, but I'm not going to pretend like I don't swear because some people will not like it. That being said, I'm starting to get to a point in which I might think it is beneficial for me to swear less for two reasons. Number one is I've listened to some of my videos and some of my podcasts back and I swear much more than I realized. which. I don't like, to be very frank with you. So I think anybody and everybody who said that I swear too much, you have a strong point, and I actually I agree with you. I think I do swear too much. I want to pay attention to it because I don't like how it sounds. Also, equally if not more importantly, equally if not more important, excuse me, there are a lot of parents who listen to this stuff and their kids are in the car or their kids are at home. And, and I know, yes, like you could put in headphones if you wanted to listen to it, but like, number one, if you're driving with your kids, I wouldn't want you to put your headphones in. I'd rather you speak with your kids or have them be able to listen to something without swearing in it. So I can't promise I'm going to stop swearing. And realistically, I, I doubt that I'll ever fully stop swearing, but I do think this is a very important thing for me to be aware of. And I appreciate it. And it, and I want anyone and everyone to know that I'm cognizant of it and uh, I am going to be trying to improve it. So thank you for bringing it to my attention. Let's see. I'm um, going through all of them. Okay. Uh, someone said, I think this calorie deficit thing can turn into something really bad and affect people with eating disorders. So this is a very, very common uh, complaint or or issue that arises in my comment sections and in my DMs and emails, absolutely, it can. But we here's what we have to clarify: we have to understand, is the calorie deficit causing the issue with disordered eating? Or is it that people with disordered eating should not be focusing on calorie deficits to begin with? I think this is really important. And this is one of the struggles with social media, right? Where it's like you come across content that might be quote-unquote triggering to you. uh, In which case, it's your responsibility to really say, should I be following this content or not? I'm very clear that the vast majority of my content is geared towards helping people achieve their fitness goals. A lot of it is geared towards improving improving body composition via fat loss. A lot of it is also geared towards improving their relationship with food, stopping binge eating. A lot of it is geared towards improving strength and performance. Um, a lot of it is geared towards just mindset in general. One thing that I try very hard to do and I could, I very well could probably do better, I would love to get more opinion on this is I, I try very hard to clarify what the goal is of any specific piece of content. So if I'm talking about how to stop binge eating or different strategies you can use to prevent binge eating, I'm very clear to mention basically across the board, calorie counting and trying to lose fat is not a good idea when you're struggling with binge eating. On the other hand, when I'm talking about fat loss, I'm very clear that if you want to lose fat, you need to be in a calorie deficit. And I also say if you struggle with binge eating, it might not be a good idea for you to focus on fat loss right now or if you struggle with disordered eating, anorexia, bulimia, any of that. I think it's very important to understand that if you try and lose fat on a foundation of an unhealthy relationship with food, you are setting yourself up for failure short term and long term. Which is why for me, the number one thing that has to be accomplished is first developing a healthier mental relationship with food, especially if you struggle with disordered eating, binge eating, anorexia, bulimia, anything. And then from there, once you have a better relationship with food, if you decide to try and lose fat, by all means, you can. It might not be a good idea to try and track your calories meticulously if you've struggled with that in the past. But what I really want people to understand is that when I'm talking about preventing binge eating and I'm talking about fat loss, they are two entirely separate topics. And I don't recommend anybody who is currently going through any disordered eating habits to try and lose fat at the same time first, you must develop a healthy relationship with food. Then you can decide if it's worthwhile for you to try and lose fat. And if you decide you want to lose fat, then you have to really figure out, okay, well, what method of a calorie deficit is going to be best for me? Should I try and track calories? Should I do Jordan's three-plate-two-snack rule? Should I do a different style? Should I do keto? Should I do intermittent fasting? Should I do Weight Watchers? Should I? There's a million options you can choose from. What i That's my main point to get across here is trying to, I want to read the question one more time. I think this calorie deficit thing can turn into something really bad and affect people with ED. I very much agree. Trying to maintain a calorie deficit when you have disordered eating is, is probably one of the worst decisions you can make, which is why I think it's really up to the individual to decide who they would like to follow and if someone who's struggling is struggling with disordered eating and they're following someone who's very very focused also on fat loss it might be worthwhile not to follow that person because first you have to develop a healthier relationship with food before you decide it's time to lose fat and let's who knows maybe you don't struggle with disordered eating anymore but you know calorie counting is going to be a trigger for you don't follow people who recommend calorie counting, not because they're bad people, but because you know for yourself it's not going to be helpful for you. This is, you we really have to accept a lot of personal responsibility here and say, like, listen, if you know this isn't going to be good for you, don't follow that person. And I to, to this person's credit, I agree. Calorie Trying to focus on a calorie deficit with someone who currently is struggling with disordered eating, not a good idea. I very much agree. Let's see. Someone says they disagree that Big Macs are tasty. You know, everyone is entitled to their own opinion on that one. I, To be fair, I do think the McGriddles are significantly better. Uh, and if you haven't yet seen my Big Mac challenge video, my 30-day Big Mac challenge where I ate one Big Mac a day every day, Not that's not all I ate, but as part of my diet, I ate 30 Big Macs over the course of 30 days and lost seven pounds, not because I think Big Macs are healthy and nutritious and they should be a big part of your diet, I don't, but because I want to show you that you can enjoy some of your favorite foods in moderation. You can have a slice of pizza at your daughter's birthday party. You can have a slice of cake at your nephew's graduation ceremony. You can, God forbid, have an ice cream cone and still not only not lose progress, but continue to make progress. So that was the point of that. If you haven't seen that, it's on my YouTube. Let's see. Um, going through there's a bunch of them I'll do a couple more okay this is a good one uh, this person says I disagree that calories are used by the body the same way no matter the source or quality this is a tremendous discussion now I very much understand what you're saying and actually I just had a, a great conversation on my friend Ryan Fisher's podcast uh, yesterday we had this discussion when someone says they disagree that all calories are used the same by the body no matter the source or the quality, you can tell just by the way that's phrased. They don't understand what a calorie actually is. And that's not a slight at you. It, it, I probably phrased that poorly. The way I should phrase that is you're, you're misusing the word calorie. You, you're using it with the wrong definition. A calorie is purely telling us how much energy is in the food. That's all it is. It only tells us how much energy is in the food. That is it. And it's really important to remember that. A calorie does not differentiate between anything. It does not differentiate between nutrients. It does not differentiate. It it does not, for example, let let me see how I can phrase this. Because the usual way I phrase it is in the same way that a mile is always a mile, regardless of whether it's on the sand or in the forest or on pavement or in water. A mile is always a mile because it's a unit of measurement telling us how the length of a certain distance That's it. It's a mile always. It might take you longer to run a mile on sand than it would to run a mile on pavement because the composition of that mile is very different. But it doesn't change the fact that you're still traveling a mile regardless of the composition of the mile or how long it took you to run it. This is the same thing with calories. 100 calories is 100 calories regardless of whether it comes from an apple or a donut because all it's telling us is how much energy is in that food. That does not mean, and I'm going to be very clear about this, that does not mean the nutrient composition of the apple is equivalent to the nutrient composition Of the donut. They are two completely separate entities and the nutrient composition, the proteins, the carbs, the fats, the vitamins, the minerals, the fiber, all different. That's the composition. In the same way, the composition of the mile, the the composition of the sand, makes it more difficult to run through the sand than it does to run on pavement. The composition of the donut, based on how much sugar and fat content is in there, very highly palatable, might spike your blood sugar very quickly, then have a very quick drop, might make you hungrier very quickly, whereas an apple might be a little bit slower, the fiber might fill you up more, might help you stay on track for longer, obviously gives you more vitamins and minerals, more nutrient-dense than the donut, but those are separate aspects than the energy of that food, and that's what has to be understood here. When I say a calorie is a calorie i'm not saying new all nutrients are created equal i'm saying all like 100 calories of energy is always 100 calories of energy in the same way 1 mile one length of a mile is always one length of a mile wherever you are whatever whatever surface you're on and that's what has to be understood all calories are created equal because it is simply a unit of measurement it's just an, an energy that's all it is Food is not created equal, but calories are not food. It's really important to remember that, so I hope that makes sense. Um, Okay, here's a really good one. This is is tremendous. I love this. Someone wrote, sometimes for hormonal reasons, you can be in a deficit and not lose weight. Now, I'm going to start by saying this. I am not a hormone expert. If you want to speak with a hormone expert, you need to speak with an endocrinologist. I have spoken with many about this specific topic because I wanted to make sure that I was getting this correct. When people talk about hormonal issues, oftentimes they're specifically speaking about uh, thyroid issues. They're speaking about PCOS, Hashimoto's. The difference is its a a lot of nuance here, and I want to be very clear and specific with this. To my knowledge, when you have a hormonal issue, it doesn't prevent you from losing weight or fat in a deficit because when you're in a deficit, you will lose fat. What it does is it makes it harder to achieve a deficit and what that means is your hormonal issue might make it so that, let's say for example, you have two people. The person, one person does not have a hormonal issue, another person does. The person who does not have the hormonal issue, maybe their uh, their deficit is, I don't know, we'll call it 1,500 calories a day, just random number, relatively small individual. 1,500 calories a day for that person. Someone else, the exact same size, the like an identical person except they do have a hormonal issue, their calorie deficit might be 1,200 calories a day. Now, this is what's really, really, this is where a lot of the discrepancy lies. It's not that the person with a hormonal issue can't lose fat in a deficit. It's that getting into the deficit to begin with is very, very difficult. That's where the major challenge is, and that's where now we have to, number one, go to see an endocrinologist, go to see a doctor, see if you can get medication for it. A lot of these hormonal issues, we can get medication to help improve our levels so that we end up coming back to normal levels and we're very healthy. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that usually when someone has a hormonal issue or a thyroid issue, whatever it is, it's going to be harder. It is absolutely 100%. It is harder when you struggle with that stuff, no question about it. It is definitely harder. But just to reread the, the, the statement because it's important. Words are very powerful and very important. The statement was, sometimes for hormonal reasons, you can be in a deficit and not lose weight. That is inaccurate. If you are in a deficit, you are losing weight. You are losing fat by simply just by definition based so on physiology. If you are in a deficit, you are losing fat. The difference is some hormonal issues will make it harder to achieve that deficit. And that's what has to be remembered. Let's see. Let's see. We're going to go through and do a couple more. Already 26 minutes in. Let me know if you have enjoyed this so far. If And just, I would actually I really appreciate it if uh, if you've liked the podcast so far, either this one or any of the other podcasts. If you could leave a review on iTunes, they've been tremendously helpful so far. I really appreciate it. They've been helping a ton. So if you could let me know if you liked this segment, I would really, it would mean a lot to me. Uh, Let's see, let's see. Okay, here's a good one. Yes, I disagree that somehow positive mindset is the solution to shed pounds with Hashimoto's. This is very interesting. I'm going to take a drink really quick. I think there's a miscommunication here. And what I really want to say is this. I'm assuming that this, this statement is coming from listening to podcasts I've done with other people, interviewing about them about their experiences with Hashimoto's, PCOS, etc. and how they've still been able to lose weight with it. What I want to keep in mind is several things. Number one is when I've done those podcasts, I did not know what those people were going to say. I had no idea what, what their experiences were going to be. I just wanted to interview people who have had success with weight loss and also struggling with those issues because a lot of people very much believe that because they have those issues they can't lose weight and it's why bother trying at all and I hate that mindset not because I think it's it's bad but it is I think it is I actually think it is bad but more importantly because nothing in life is more demoralizing than feeling like you have no control and the reality is even though it is harder for you when you have those issues, it's still worth trying. And not to mention, you can still do it. It is harder. But you always have to think. Will you be more proud of yourself that at least you tried? Or will you be more proud of yourself that you just threw in the towel? Usually the answer is pretty much they would rather go out trying than not trying at all. So with that in mind, when I've been interviewing these these people on my podcast about PCOS, Hashimoto's and their experience with it, it was them who said the importance of being optimistic and positive. I didn't put the words in their mouth. It was them who found the importance. It was Parmjeet, it was Katie. I have another one with Shabana coming up soon. It was them who really expressed the importance of for their own for their own well-being and for their own consistency to have that positive, optimistic mindset. Not because optimism automatically makes you lose weight. It doesn't. The only way to do that is through a calorie deficit. But because if you're pessimistic, you will find reasons not to try. If you don't believe it will work, then why are you going to do it in the first place? I also think there's a massive misunderstanding here between the, the words positive and happy. A lot of times people hear positive or optimistic and they all of a sudden just equate that with happiness. I'm not saying you need to be happy that you have Hashimoto's or happy all the time. No, of course not. But from the experience of others who have succeeded with these issues and just from basic human psychology and behavioral understanding, it's very clear that those with an optimistic, positive mindset are more likely to take action and do what they need to do in order to succeed. Whereas those who don't believe they can succeed, and whereas those who have a pessimistic mindset, not pessimistic doesn't mean unhappy, and positive doesn't mean happy. They're different. Optimistic is looking at the opportunities that lay ahead, and you see the benefit in going for them and pessimistic is seeing more of the lack of opportunity or the the negative negative circumstances that will come from what's from the opportunities laid ahead. Optimism gives you a reason to try. Pessimism gives you a justification for not trying. So just to very much clarify, number 1 is I never put words in their mouth. They told it from their experiences alone. And there's a lot to be taken from that. And that a number of people who've come on my podcast who've struggled with these issues, Hashimoto's and PCOS and, and these issues, these people have succeeded and they've spoken about the value of a pos- positivity and optimism. And if you struggle with that, and you, if you also struggle with Hashimoto's or any other issue, it might be worth considering, are you approaching this with a pessimistic mindset? In which, by the way, if you are, you deserve to you you are inherently at a disadvantage because you have that because you have that you are more than uh you are more than allowed to and you you're you deserve to be pessimistic sure you do but now what do you want to be a pessimistic individual who does nothing who chooses not to take action or Would you prefer to take the harder, more optimistic route to put in more effort that will allow you to achieve achieve your goals? And who knows? Maybe you will never achieve your ultimate goal. But I'd say that at least getting 50% there is better than not getting anywhere close at all or even going backwards. So to answer this question, I would never, ever, ever say or insinuate that being positive is the solution to losing weight with Hashimoto's. It's not. But I do think being positive and optimistic is a tremendous advantage in all aspects of life including losing weight, especially when you're at a disadvantage with something like Hashimoto's. So let's see. We'll keep going here. Um, I'll see if there's any more that I want to end on. So this person says, I don't disagree, but I think you could mention a bit more how much easier it is to eat in a calorie deficit while eating, say, lean protein and veggies compared to French fries, which you say, but not as often as I would like. Ha ha. Okay. All right. I respect that. Um, You know, I think one of the hardest parts as a content creator is, number one, coming up with saying everything you need to say in every post, right? There's a, a word limit. In an Instagram caption there's a time limit on the video and you also have to think about how long are people actually gonna spend watching or listening to this right unfortunately I can't say every single thing I want to say in every post and going back to actually the first question of this this Q&A ish type thing this Jordan Stinks segment I have to make sure as an educator that the principles and the most important understandings get taught first and foremost that is my utmost goal and the most important thing for me as a content creator. That being said, if I'm, trying, if I'm being objective, if I'm trying to be more objective and looking at my content, I actually think you're right. I could do more to talk about the benefit of eating more minimally processed foods, more veggies and lean proteins. That is one of the main reasons behind my one big ass salad a day every day. But if I'm looking at my actions, I could do better and I could post my salad every day, right? Um, so I thank you very much. That's actually it's, – it's great feedback. And you're right. I could do better with that. So thank you. And uh, let's see. You know what? I think, I think that's where we'll end it, a little over – just under 35 minutes for this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. For now, we're going to go with Jordan Stinks as the name of this segment, uh, episode one. Thank you, Clark Howard, for this idea. I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes. They do help a lot. And um, if you have any questions or comments or ideas, I'm more than happy and willing and able to, to review them. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. I will talk to you soon.